Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Happy podcast, everybody. Everybody tuning in to Fighter's Fury. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you guys are the recorded listeners, so I feel like I don't have to lie to you. Uh, I've taped today's episode. I taped it uh, on Friday. Well, I taped a lot of it. I taped a couple of weeks ago because I was at Media Day for American Top Team. And, um, you know, we probably we were so uncertain with this hurricane. We thought no one was coming in on Sunday anyway. Probably would have been a fine show to come in live for. Um, but it was taped. Not much happened. Uh, I'm going to get to what happened that I missed. So it doesn't feel like I, uh, I skimmed on you guys. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of why. So we'll, you'll get to today's episode. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about UFC 242, which is coming up next week in Abu Dhabi. Uh, we'll get to Dustin Poirier. And we'll get to all the things that are going on there uh, with, uh, with that matchup. So you have that to look forward to. Um, and we'll talk to Phil DeRue, who is a trainer over at America Top Team to strength and conditioning. Not traveling with, uh, with Dustin over there, but he, uh, if you ever see the, the videos of Dustin working out with the dude with the beard, real swole dude, used to fight, uh, you'll hear our conversation with him. And we'll have a, a really interesting conversation with Colby Covington. We'll get to that as well. Um, I think you guys will enjoy that. But uh, a couple of news and notes I wanted to get to. I want to start off with uh, what went down last night. That was Tyron Spong getting himself a second-round knockout win in Mexico. Big knockout for Tyron. A couple reasons why. One, it was his first fight back from a broken hand. So, you know, this is one of those things where um, you uh, you know you want Tyron to, to take the step up, and we'll get to that news in a bit. But, uh, you know, he's just got to make sure his tools work, you know. And that was a big thing. You know, his last fight, he fought the entire fight basically with a broken hand, uh, fought the fight with one hand, ended up being a split decision, and, you know, it, it, it got a little dicey there. Um, so it was a good test for him, though, and, you know, it was in a way where a guy, he's blitzing everybody, he's got massive power. It's probably good for him to go for, through some adversity in a weird way. Um, but he is, uh, he's now back. He, he got himself a win yesterday, second round knockout in Mexico. And the big news all week was he is, uh, he is getting ready for a date against Alexander Usyk in October. And that's huge, man. You know, Usyk is the best cruiserweight in the world. Big fellow, though. Um, from same parts as Lomachenko, who got himself a win yesterday over Luke Campbell. And we'll get to that in a bit. But um, big, uh, you know, made for the division. Great skill set. Uh, I think it actually caused a lot of problems. So Tyron is, he is not stepping into this thing lightly. Like, he's going from a lot of unknowns at heavyweight to... I what I think are deep waters, deep waters with a very skilled boxer, um, but you know Tyron is is obviously coming to this fight bringing a great equalizer, which is his power, 
and that is that that definitely cannot be denied. I mean, the guy acts absolute thunder in those fists. So we'll see, man. This is this is great for him though because he has been working very hard to get to this climb. He's 33 years old, so it is high time if you are going to be a heavyweight contender. 14 to 0. It's it's time to go, man. Like Anthony Joshua kind of busted onto the scene, and he was already an Olympic champion. Tyrone's going a different route because this guy was a multi multi world over champion in kickboxing. You know, had some fights in mixed martial arts. Could have gone that route, um, but he had you know the really bad leg injury in kickboxing. And this guy is a guy who measured at the UFC Performance Institute with the most power punches out of anybody. I think the guy just to break his record was Francis Ngannou. Uh, and Tyrone was not happy about this. So the, the guy cracks. He absolutely cracks. He's coming in there with a great equalizer. Um, Usyk is bringing that power up. So that'll be interesting as well. Um, but it's a tough matchup. I mean, I'm not going to lie. As far as skill set's concerned, as far as what Usyk brings to the ring, um, this, is a, this is a big, big test for both of them. Both of them, I think, for 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 Usyk, he is going to get hit by legit heavyweight power, and for Tyrone, he's going to be fighting a guy with probably the best boxing skill that he's been in the ring with. I don't know about the best striking skill because he's been in there with guys who have, you know, you think about Alistair Overeem and um, some of just the greats that he's been in there with as far as kickboxing is concerned. But it's a different sport, man. It is a completely different sport, and um, you know, he's been working his ass off, trading with uh, Pedro Diaz. And so, uh, very happy for him. It, it, ultimately, what it comes down to this, you know, the guy is uh, a, a really good individual, uh, of, oh, has always been good to us, very classy to us, always a fun interview. Uh, I'm telling you, like, when we have, like, the dumbest fight questions, he's been more than generous with his time. Um, so I'm just very happy for him that he's getting a shot. Uh, we follow a lot of guys, and they never get that shot. Um, but he is, and so this is a this is a big one for him, and so we're very very happy for him. The other news yesterday, boxing wise, yeah, there is Landy Lara getting himself another championship at his age. Very very awesome for his Landy. So a big shout out to him getting the win on PBC yesterday. Uh, and then the fight I was watching on ESPN, I watched the other Sun ESPN Plus. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko getting himself a a big win over Luke Campbell. Um, fun fight. That's uh, that's my big that's my big. Uh, come out of that one. Uh, not one that I think a lot of people thought was going to be very competitive, but the Olympian from London showed tremendous will. I think put Lomachenko on notice very early in that fight. Um, showed some real guts. There was a point where he could have been really put away in that fight. So he uh, he really showed tremendous fortitude in that matchup as well. Um, and so, you know, with Lomachenko, look, man, this guy now has uh, a great heap of the belts at lightweight. He is a tremendous champion. He continues to be one of those entertaining guys in boxing. Um, I've said this much. I don't think he is the best pound-for-pound -pound boxer on the planet right now. I think that title either goes to Terrence Crawford or I think it goes to Errol Spence. But I do think that Lomachenko is one of the most entertaining boxers on the planet, maybe the most. Um, I think he's been getting a, a lot of run for his money by some of the heavyweights lately, but, you know, as far as the little guys are concerned, as far as the guys, you know, 130, 135, um, you know, 140, 147, he is, uh, he's absolutely there. He's absolutely there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and he put on a great show yesterday. Put on a great show. Uh, a lot tougher than what the odds makers made it. But um, he showed he showed that he's still one of the best on the planet. So, really, really great fight for him. 
it'll be interesting to see what uh, what what comes next for them, what they do. I know. You know, there's been some Javante Davis buzz before, Tevin Farmer. Um, you know, what Rudy goes, we're not quite sure. I don't know. Um, you know, they mentioned that they're going to be very flexible with all the weight classes that he goes to. Cool. Um, it's just kind of tough in top rank right now to find out. You know, Teofimo Lopez, him and them, they've been kind of circling the waters. That's one that they could make. Um, is that too early for, for, for Teo? Who knows? But... Um, it's an interesting matchup, nonetheless. Uh, and then finally, the big news: Wei Li Zhang got herself a championship in UFC China. Uh, I won't front with you guys. I have. Uh, I only saw this fight. It started at 3 a.m. Um, not many fights intrigue me, but you know, you get the notification: Wei Li Zhang wins in 54 seconds. I'll fire up my ESPN Plus to see that. Very cool for her to get that huge win over Jessica Andrade. Uh, a lot of people have made this point. It's a huge landmark event for the UFC that has wanted to not only get in China for a long time, but now they have a champion who is Chinese. Uh, huge, absolutely huge. So uh, really, really great for her to get that win. And uh, what a moment, man. What a moment. What a moment for the UFC. Uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get into the, the heart of the episode, and that was UFC 142. That's coming up next week. And we got Dustin Poirier, Khabib Nurmagomedov. We're going to do a little bit of a preview of that matchup. Uh, I'll give you a spoiler alert. I'm going upset. I'll tell you why I'm going upset with next week. And we will hear from Phil DeRue, Dustin Poirier, strength and conditioning coach. We will hear from Colby Covington, uh, UFC welterweight. He's walking around with the belt, so I refer to him as champ. But he is uh, officially the number one contender at 170 pounds. So we'll hear from Chaos uh, on the way on the uh, uh, towards the end of today's show and uh, that's what we got for you man i hope everybody's staying safe in the storms and maybe this will give you a little entertainment when you got some cabin fever so we will uh, be back with more right after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket welcome on in fighters fury here on 790 the ticket it's tobin hope everybody's staying safe with the preparation hurricanes that are going on this weekend uh everybody's getting all the supplies put together whatever you guys got going on um so we got a couple guests that are going to join us today we have phil derue who is a strength and conditioning coach from american top team he's been in the camp with dustin poirier as he's been getting him ready for his fight with habib Nurmagomedov, and we'll speak with him we'll also hear from the welterweight antagonist colby covington colby chaos covington as he is still walking around with his interim ufc championship even though uh, he was stripped of that, but don't tell that to him. He is. Uh, I think you get to see a little bit of different side of Colby in this interview we had with him. Did this about a week ago, a uh, week and a half ago. We were over at American Top Team for their media day, and so got a lot of great interviews while I was over there. And so I think you guys will enjoy that. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Colby and what he has to say uh, on the fronts of fighting Kamar Usman, what the title means to him, uh, fighting with uh, everybody hating his guts, all that stuff. And, uh, and and we'll get to that. But I want to start off with UFC uh, 242, as that's coming up down the pipe. We have it coming up. Dustin Poirier, Habib Nurmagomedov. This is a really interesting fight, man. I mean, a lot of ramifications come from this because, one, uh, kind of knowing what the future of Conor McGregor is and who he's going to face. Uh, Habib did an interesting interview this week where he said flat out, I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting him until Conor goes and wins a fight. And I do think that Habib is in a point right now where he can do that and he can say uh, who he's going to fight, uh, who he's not going to fight as long as he's still the champ. 
I think the only way that Connor ends up getting the Khabib rematch is if he loses. If if Khabib ends up going out there and he loses to Dustin Poirier, then I think all all bets are off, and you know he is uh, he's going to be probably looking at at doing the Connor fight. Um, I would say this is what I, this is how I break it down. If Habib wins, he fights Tony Ferguson. If he and and I wouldn't be surprised if you see Connor go and fight Dustin Poirier, a rematch, a guy that he beat, uh, a guy who was interim champ. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way it goes. If Dustin Poirier wins, I think Poirier fights Tony Ferguson, and Connor will end up fighting Habib in a rematch. Winner obviously going on to face for the title. But I don't, and I, I think they'd almost like that because I feel like it puts Connor in a position where it's not five rounds. He won't have to uh, worry about going as far in the fight. Um, you know, and he did say in his interview with Errol Hawanio, he didn't, he, uh, he had an injured foot. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, he's a little bit healthier in this one. If You could see some things going different Connor's way. But in the most part, he did get his ass kicked in that fight. And he did get dominated really in every facet of the game. I mean, that's, that's kind of flat out how it happened. So those are interesting things that we want to, uh, that we'll have to look out for in the uh in the in the weeks with this fight and the ramifications of this fight but the real question is with this if dustin wins like can dustin win this fight that's the real question you know he is he is very talented he's very talented and i think he is kind of been overlooked in in this whole landscape that is the lightweight division it took him a, a, a very long time and a lot of wins to even get to an interim title shot part of that has to do with you know the injuries. Part of that has to, uh, to to other people. Part of that has to do with the absence of Conor McGregor. So, in this fight, the real question is: How do you make Khabib vulnerable? If this is going to be a fight where he gets taken down, which we've seen Dustin be taken down in some fights, if he's taken down, can he make anything happen in those moments that he has? Can he crack Khabib? Can he can he can he get him any kind of vulnerable at any time? Because this isn't a case where I feel like I feel like this is prime setup for Habib to win by decision if he's going to win. I don't think I don't think Habib Nurmagomedov can finish Dustin Poirier. I don't. I don't think he can make him tap. I don't think he, that he can knock him out. I don't think he can wear him out. I think this is one of those ones where he would almost I don't know play it safe. Um, I could see it being very similar to the Iaquinta fight. Iaquinta is a bit of a better wrestler, but but Poirier is a world's better striker, world's better striker, and has beaten way better guys than Iaquinta has. So when you go into this matchup, the question becomes, all right, well, can he find a way to get Habib hurt early on? Can he Can he stuff takedowns? Can he put something on his face? Because if you're talking about hands, I mean, there may not be a better pair of hands in this division right now than Dustin Poirier. And I and I include Conor McGregor knowing that Conor knocked him out at 145. He's not the same fighter that he was. That was almost, shoosh, that was 2013, that fight, 2014. It's a long time ago. Dustin's way better. He's uh, he's at 155, optimal weight for him. Um, you know, maybe could be one, maybe could be 170 if he wanted to. Um, but th- th- this guy's hands, the, the training that he's done under... Dia Davis, who I obviously think the world of and I think is a tremendous trainer. The kind of boxing skills that he's putting out there in that octagon, it's not going to be like anything Habib has, has dealt with. I think that he's going into this uh, this fight 
fairly healthy, something that Connor did not. Um, you know, so it's it, it really just remains can Dustin make anything out of those opportunities when the fight is is standing, when it is? Because we have seen with these Namaga Madoff fights, we have seen areas and windows that guys have had. It's just been so exhausting for them to get to that point, and they really haven't taken advantage. We saw with Iaquinta that Habib let around stand up. We saw with Connor that Connor was able to get around against him. Um, this is the, but this guy is 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 so well rounded and brings such violence to the cage such such uh, it, it's just it's weird you know I, when we spoke to him last week if you guys missed that interview you could download la- uh, last week's podcast but I, I just I marvel at his ability to bask in the violence I, I marvel at his ability to take advantage of being the craziest out of the crazy I think that the only guy who could probably match him for being in the chaos as much as him is Tony Ferguson. I think that's it. I think that's the list. And if those guys got into a fight, I don't know what the hell would happen. The question is, is can Khabib keep this fight non-chaotic? Can he keep it controlled up against the cage like he's done with every guy that he's beaten? And I think many people are looking at this and say, yeah, obviously. Obviously, why wouldn't he be able to do that? Why wouldn't he be able to do what he's always done? Um, but with Dustin, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it, he seems like he's just got a different mentality than Connor. You know, Connor, I feel like, and uh, has a bit of a, a breakable mentality. Uh, when the fight is lost, he's okay with it. And that's fine. There's, you know, I'm not one of these people that says that's soft. That's just, that's what he is. When a guy gets his, 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 uh, his arm around him, around his neck, he is, he's okay with saying, okay, you got the best of me. Dustin isn't. <laughs> Dustin rises in those in those levels and says, "Oh, you think you're going to push me? I'm going to push even harder." And then think of the guys: Justin Gaethje, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez. These are the psychotic of the psychotic, the underground king. D- you know, d- damn uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, how he's going through. Uh, uh, Anthony Pettis, a former champion. His resume has just been so damn impressive, and really, the only time. We've seen him beat since going to 155. It was a crazy crack shot that Michael Johnson hit him with. So you look at this bout and you look at two guys that want the fight to be in very different places, both from a, a violent standpoint and want the fight different at, at different points because Habib wants us up against the cage, up on the ground, uh, smish, as he says. And... Dustin wants his fight obviously standing, vicious, throw every kind of limb that he can at Habib. And, you know, the the one thing I'll say uh, about Habib is, you know, he did get over that big mountaintop of beating Connor. Is he taking Dustin a little bit lightly? Uh, obviously has grand visions of fighting GSP, you know, finally getting the Tony fight, which I think people probably think is a bigger fight. It's a bit of a weird fight because it's in Abu Dhabi. Uh, which is big for Habib, but um, is not probably the biggest fight that he could do. And, you know, getting over, you know, not having a fight with so much emotion. We have seen little pockets in these matchups that we've seen with him. Now, it's it's been a weird resume because 
of the injury that he was supposed to fight Max Holloway never happened because of the uh, the weight cut. So he ended up with Ali Quinta. Uh, we saw him get cracked against uh, against uh, against Michael Johnson, a guy that's beaten Dustin Poirier before. But I think if you were to say who is just a better fighter all around, I mean, it's not even close, um, especially with what the resumes are. So I wonder if if uh, if Khabib is looking at this and is like, listen. I don't think about Dustin. I go and fight. I take him out. I smish. I tap, tap, tap. But if he takes it that lightly, not realizing what kind of animal that he's in there with, I really do think it could be problems for him. I really, really do. Um, and honestly, I, I, it, it's just something about Dustin Poirier. And I know I'm swayed by this. And I, I freely say that, so don't go bet on my picks. But the ride that this guy's been on has been incredible. The guys that he's beaten, it's been incredible. He took that loss to Conor McGregor. He's soared with it at 155. And the kind of training that he gets at American Top Team is phenomenal. I know that Habib has great training too. Um, but I think Dustin's going to win this fight, man. I really do. I, I, got a, I got a funny feeling about it. I really, really do. So it's, uh, it, you know, hearing him talk about how he wants to win that fight and getting Khabib in a place where nobody has, you know, when Connor's going to fight you, he's not looking to take you to crazy land. He's he's looking to knock you out with one punch. When you're fighting Aya Quinta, Aya Quinta's kind of just, you know, happy to be there, is, is, is showing his gamesmanship. Dustin is, is, a, is a very nice individual who is an animal in that cage. And uh, and I feel like he's going to stop Khabib. I think this is the end. Uh, the end of the undefeated streak for Khabib. Obviously, he's career is going to roll on and be absolutely fantastic but it's gonna be interesting because even though he's as disciplined as he is and and he's a a a humble individual uh it's a it's a little bit different when you are the guy and you know putin wants to meet you and everybody in russia you are the face of russian sports now um i think that's a lot to handle and and dustin has been singularly focused on just being the best in the world um and 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 that means winning this fight and with Khabib, he probably already thinks it because he beat Connor. He thinks that he's he's hit that big mountain, um, other than you know maybe the GSP fight down the line. So that's our prediction. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this fight. We will talk to Phil Derue, strength and conditioning coach from American Top Team, and we will get his thoughts on the bout. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. It's Tobin here with you. As we were talking UFC 242, got the chance to go down to American Top Team uh, a couple weeks ago. It was media day there. Uh, one of the guys we got to speak with was Phil DeRue, who is the strength and conditioning coach from American Top Team. He has been training with Dustin Poirier for six camps and has seen a lot of the transformation that DP has gone through as he gets ready to take on Khabib Nurmagomedov. So enjoyed my conversation with him. Uh, bring some interesting perspective to this uh, to this upcoming fight against Habib and how they think they're going to go out there and beat him. So this is my conversation with Phil DeRue. All right, we're here at American Top Team, and we're talking to strength and conditioning coach Phil DeRue. He is uh, Dustin Poirier. You're in his camp. This yep. is a big one, man. This is this is taking on Habib Nurmagomedov for lightweight championship unifying. It's uh, what has it been like so far? I mean, it's always it's always a good you know good camp for us. You know, he's um, he's super focused. This is something obviously this is something that he's been working towards his entire career. 
Um, but again, I've been with Dustin for about four years now. It's my sixth camp with him. I could honestly say that he's the most focused he's been mm-hmm. in the entire time that I've been working with him. And he has a newfound fire driven because of the fact that people don't think he's going to win. And that's that's obviously how we like to to perform and how we like to set people straight. How is um how is it your, your role as a coach? Because, you know, seeing behind the scenes stuff with him before, like he's got Daya Davis and mm-hmm. Mikey Brown and all you guys put together. Mm-hmm. How do you guys work as a team um, deciding what's good for him, mm-hmm. what goes at the right time? Like if you as a strength coach, how do you know when to push him, when to pull back? Yeah, so we use objective and, and subjective indicators, basically talking to him, communicating with him, and along with me, Mike, and Daya, uh, we have communication every day. So, again, I'm also – putting a system in place to know exactly what his schedule relies on and as as far as his intensity levels throughout camp. And obviously nutrition, sleep, recovery is going to be a major key factor as well. So getting all those things in place and then properly formulating the the program is going to be something that we put as a hierarchy. How did you decide you wanted to get into training fighters? And and, and specifically, that's such an interesting field. There's so many athlete directions to go into. What uh, what made you go down this path? Well, actually, I was a fighter myself. I was Mm -hmm. a fighter for American Top Team. I started with Dean Thomas and um, been a fighter for about eight years. And I I just grew to love the sport, you know. And as I was fighting, I was also training my other teammates as I was doing it. So it was an easy transition for me, you know, going from being a fighter to now a coach. Um, I played, you know, college football, things like that. So I've always been a competitor. So I think that getting a part and staying a part of this uh, this sport was something that I wanted to do, and now I get to do it at the highest level. What uh, when you were fighting, were there things that your coaches were doing that you're like, I think this can be tweaked better? Like, were you seeing seeing as you got into this field, mm-hmm. were you saying like, nah, I got my own kind of methods? And and at what point did you? deter and say like I'm taking more control of going in that that route was there any um, Mm -hmm. conflict there for yourself not really because I did take control of my my career my camps Uh, when I was with Dean Thomas he kind of gave us full-on autonomy on how we actually wanted to run our own camps because he was setting us up to be true professionals and again with that it made me be a better coach so I got to understand how to properly formulate all my trainings throughout the camp and throughout my off camps and uh, from there, it helped me be a better coach. So I didn't really have the issue of, okay, I know this is wrong because I was always running my own programs. And then if I would get with, like, let's say, a strength conditioning coach, I would kind of relay over some things that I wanted to work on, yeah. especially coming from understanding a background of knowledge from a science-based approach and then having the experience inside the cage. I knew exactly what I needed to put into place whatever time frame that I was in inside camp. So you explain something to me as a, as a, as a dumb dumb who watches the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, like, we look at it and we see dudes who are, like, super hulking and they look like they got big muscles and people say, oh, they, that guy usually has crap cardio or something yeah, like that. Yeah. How, is that. Is that a myth? Is that true? And, and if that is, like, how do you kind of balance or does it depend yeah. upon the person? Yeah, again, this sport is a mixed bioenergetic demand sport, so aerobic capacity is has to be, you know, evolved and, and worked on. So with that being said, I would say that, you know, it's genetics. You know, a lot of times you see, you look at a guy like Tyron Woodley who's highly muscled up and you know, sometimes if he doesn't work on his specific aerobic capacity, he's going to end up gassing out in the fight. So what you want to do is you want to take his weaknesses mm-hmm. and you want to improve upon them just like you would in any type of skills training, right? If a guy is primarily a boxer, he needs to work on his wrestling, that's what we do. So we're plugging in gaps based upon their weaknesses 
And then from there, you don't want to totally take away his explosiveness or his strength because, let's face it, they're highly fast twitch and they have that explosive power attribute. But again, you want to kind of balance that out because, again, like I said, it's a mixed aerobic system sport and uh, we need to make sure that we have all things in line. So again, it's finding out the weaknesses and then hammering that home and getting them better once they start camp so that you have a balance of everything. Is there anything that's like new coming down the pipe that like you're always uh, searching for or that you buy into? Is do you like to go with the more trusted and true methods, or are you always trying to like look for something? And and yeah. is there something that coming along that you do think is gonna kind of be the next step in guys conditioning themselves for fights? Yeah, I think that you know understanding the entire science behind it and understanding the sport is going to be important. Um, we all we're always trying to find a way to be better. You're trying to evolve. You're trying to make sure that you have a better way. But again what works is what works you know so i don't want to take something and try to maneuver it around i only want to make sure that it fits my circumstances and that's the one thing that people miss out on they try to do things based upon other people's circumstances so you got to find out what works for you and the situations that you have i have 85 fighters that i coach and so i have to have something that's highly you know relevant for what they're doing and what's going to transfer over into the sport and also you know, making it efficient enough to where i can do it on a daily basis and so these guys aren't getting tired Fedoru, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the time. Oh, uh, as far as uh, the fight coming up with Dustin, mm -hmm. so you guys run the stairs at uh, FAU and things yeah, like that, yeah. getting crazy. Um, what do you think we're going to see from him in, in this? Are we going to see a better version, a, a different version? What do you think is, is coming through when he, uh, when he steps into the cage against Khabib? Well, you're definitely going to see a better version. Um, Dustin is a highly driven person. You know, I think that what we're going to see is you're going to see him. Obviously, you know, he's going to get taken down in a way maybe – most likely we're looking at that, right? At that point, though, we're looking to get back up. And mm -hmm. when he gets back up, he's going to make him pay. He's going to get Khabib tired. And at the fourth round, I feel like he'll put him away at the fourth. Because, again, when, you're, when you keep on trying to take somebody down and they just won't stay down, and that's what's going to happen, he's going to go ahead and get tired from that. And at in that point, we're going to go ahead and take advantage. Thanks for your time, man. Really enjoyed the conversation. Hope Thank we can do it again down the line. Perfect. Thanks again to Phil for the time, man. Very interesting. A lot of interesting things that you took from that. Um, Dustin going into this fight with uh, a mentality. This is kind of the first time I think that people think he's doubted, which um, I was kind of surprised to hear because I feel like Dustin obviously is a very confident individual, but is uh, it, it's interesting hearing that. Uh, you know, I I kind of feel like he's always been overlooked in these in these fights with it, whether it be against Eddie, whether it be against Gaethje, whether it be against. Uh, whomever it feels like max holloway i feel like everybody kind of think, feels like they're gonna go and work it with i mean think about how good a striker is max holloway is and dustin went out there and, and and mopped the floor with him really did really just put an absolute tremendous beating on him and everybody thought that max was gonna be better at 155 you're talking about one of the best fighters on the planet um a guy another guy though who goes in there and you just he goes in there and he out crazes you he breaks people breaks jose aldo twice in, in just uh, sheer toe-to-toe -to -toe violence. And Dustin was the bigger guy, was the better guy in that. Um, I, I just feel like the Khabib thing doesn't, sh doesn't shake him at all. I really just, I don't. I almost feel like a more dangerous fight for Khabib, the, uh, for, for Dustin these days, is to fight uh, Connor at 155. Because one, he's lost to him already. And two, like he did to Michael Johnson, I could see him being over-emotional in that fight, wanting to prove that he's better and he runs into a left hand like I almost feel like he would do something silly like that in a fight with Connor than this fight with Habib I think that I just feel like he's tailor-made for it 
I feel like he's tailor-made to handle all the mental hurt because when you're fighting a Khabib it's not just you're fighting physical hurdles you're fighting mental hurdles you're fighting fatigue you're fighting a guy who's undefeated a guy that's never been solved before and that stuff just doesn't seem to matter to Poirier so that's another reason I think that he's gonna he's gonna pull this off uh, I, I I feel I feel very confident about it that uh that that he's the guy to do it I don't know if anybody else is the guy Tony I can see doing it too um tony's very good but i could see it going either way um and 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 he's very deserving no matter who comes out of this tony deserves the next title shot there's no doubt about that but this division is so fun i think the guys in there everybody brings just such a different element to the cage than the other guy and uh that's the fun thing about this man it's a it's a it's a really interesting it's a really interesting uh about and and kind of round robin that you got going on there the interesting thing will be happening uh, with, uh, to, you know, as far as Connor's concerned, the interesting fallout will be, you know, he mentioned in his Helwani interview that he was close to fighting Justin Gaethje. I mean, you know, could we see that fight uh, emerge? Does somebody else from 155 kind of stick their beak in there and, and, and treat Connor McGregor? Um, you know, in all honesty, the, 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 the fights right now with Connor in, in a weird way because of how he lost to Habib, I think I'm almost. I don't think that he can beat Tony. I don't. I think it's a nightmare matchup for him. I just, I think, I think that 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 is a, that's a bad place for him to go. You know, so most of the guys that you'd want to see him fight at 155, Gaethje, Cerrone, you know, they're not really close to the title right now. Dustin, you can't say that he can't beat because he has beaten him. Um, even if you think Dustin's vastly improved, and. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, the ones that I'm very intrigued about, I would like to see Connor fight almost the winner of it, when when Nate and when Nate and uh, Masvidal fight. I would wouldn't mind seeing Connor fight the winner of that uh, or getting his getting getting involved in that situation. But I don't know if 170 is optimal for him because he is shorter. Um, you know, those guys are more in the five eleven six foot range. He's more of a five niner, so it's a bit different. So. I don't know, but it, 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 this is such uh, an intriguing division. I really, really can't wait for the fight next week. When we come back on Fighters Fury, we will talk to Colby Chaos Covington, the most hated man in mixed martial arts today. He uh, sat down with us at American Top Team, and a lot of a different side of Colby. I think you. Got, I will say that uh, you know, for those guys who think you're going to get the gimmick, um, we uh, we we turn that down. A notch. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hear my conversation with Colby right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM seven ninety the ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Hope everybody's staying safe this hurricane weekend. Uh, we're going to get our our conversation uh, with Colby Covington in just a minute. Uh, just very uh, very much ex- was. You know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I went to American Top Team and didn't uh, know what I was going to get with Kobe. We've interviewed him once before at the Hard Rock, and that was after, I think that was after his Damian Maya win. It was a couple years ago. And honestly, really enjoyed the conversation. I know my producer, Robbie, on the Midday Show did not because Kobe dropped a couple uh, swear bombs on there, and Robbie is shook by any fighter that will curse, which is most of them. Um but Kobe actually remembered the interview, which I was surprised with. And, you know, we, you know, if I can set the scene for everybody, Kobe is walking around the gym in a suit 
his MAGA hat, his championship belt, and uh, a very good-looking woman who you will hear in this interview. She is the queen of chaos, Janice. Um, if if you if if you will, uh, almost uh, her she is the Elizabeth to his macho man, and so. You know, I didn't know what to expect because he was very he was very much hamming it up, uh, like he does with the Trump stuff, with the uh, with with the nerd bash stuff, all that's, and um, you know, so I was kind of expecting, yeah, he's gonna get, he's gonna hit his marks. He's very much like a wrestler. A wrestler wants to hit his lines and hit his marks, but um, I do feel like we got into some really interesting stuff as far as his mentality, uh, his growth, being at the top, and what beating Kamaru Usman would mean to him. So, you know, that stuff I found very, very intriguing. And I think you guys will um, be interested in hearing that. So here is my conversation with uh, Colby Chaos Covington. I'm Colby Covington here at American Top Team. Thanks for giving us time, champ. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, man. Good to talk to you again. It's been a while since those Hard Rock days. It was a while since those Hard Rock days. Was it true? Did you go to the – like, I felt like you won, you won your fight against Robbie Lawler. Did you go to the, a tournament, like, right afterwards just to, uh, to go and relax with that stuff? Yeah, like a couple of days later. I wasn't in the tournament, but I was playing, like, the cash games. So after the fights, I love to just unwind and unrelax my mind and not think about anything other than, you know, fighting. So that when I go play poker, it just kind of helps me clear my mind. And I, I was in there, you know, winning some money, making poker great again. It's crazy, man. It's crazy seeing all the, the changes that are happening at that hard rock. Things uh, bigger than ever. That's you're, you're gonna be like uh, headlining like your own little Vegas there one day down here in South Florida. Yeah, that's right, man. I, you know, I, I've gotten in with all the pit bosses over at Hard Rock and uh, my boy, the Morton's Morton Hospitality Group. They'll have a nice uh, hotel and uh, or they'll have a nice pool party and. Uh, club over at hard rock so you know we got some events lined up in the future i've talked to tony burns the poker director and he's going to do some uh some guest appearances for me in the future when when the uh, guitar gets built at the hard rock so big things happen in south florida and what a better way than have the biggest name in the game colby chaos covington to make it better with your with your fame growing is it uh is there still code at the poker table or is have you ever gotten in a situation where people are playing with you and they want to talk <laughs> to you because of who you are yeah no the thing is, is when I wear like hats and glasses and I like cover myself up, then people might get mad when I beat them and like they won't understand who and they'll talk and then like someone at the table will be like, no, nah, you don't want to talk to him. He's the best fighter in the world. But most of the time when they know who I am, I mean, why would you talk to the greatest fighter on earth, on planet earth today? You know, the greatest fighter that's ever stepped inside the UFC octagon. It's not going to end well for you. So, you know, we, I get paid to assault people in an octagon and send them to a hospital. I don't think it's going to be smart for some little nerd at a poker table to try and smack talk me. It's not going to end well for him. Now, Kobe, um, your performance last time was absolutely fantastic, man. And uh, with, with everything that has happened with your rises over the last couple of years and all the, all the things you do, all the, cat, the, the cages that you're rattling, is, do, have you felt extra pressure going into the, uh, into the octagon knowing like, damn, I have said a lot of things and I need to perform? Or is it, has it all been a good release and your performance speaks for yourself because you know you're well prepared for it? It hypes you up more. Exactly what right? she it's said. More, it's more fuel for the fire, I think. Because exactly. now you gotta, well, because now you have to go ahead and you have to you have to walk the talk that you were talking. So I think that it makes you stand behind what you said you were gonna do and, and deliver. That's right. right. She said it best. You know, talk the talk and walk the walk, and that's what I do best. And and the thing about it, anybody that says that it puts more pressure on you, these are also the same internet virgins that are in their mom's basement and they're eating Cheetos. So what do they know about stepping to octagon and winning? So I prepared my whole life for this, Brennan. Since five years old, I've been training my ass off, and I've been working hard, and I've been. Pre- 
preparing for these moments. So, you know, I don't. I I like putting more pressure on me because you know it just it, it makes me you know have to have to rise up to the occasion, and that's what I always do. I rise up to the occasion, and just like she said, talk the talk, walk the walk. He always rises to the occasion. You uh, introduce who you are with because uh, this is. I'm a huge fan. I know. I know you. You uh, all the ties to wrestling that happens all the time. I'm a huge. My favorite wrestler of all time is the Macho Man Randy Savage, and everybody knows that the the Macho Man had the greatest manager of all time, and that was the great Elizabeth. That's right. Well, let me introduce you to the queens of chaos. This is uh, Janice. Hi. <laughs> One of South Florida's finest. You can see her, you know, in the octagon occasionally strutting it and and uh, putting all the internet virgins to sleep because she's just so beautiful and she just puts them all in wow. So, you know, you'll probably be seeing more of her. She might be the next UFC ring card girl. So um, are you still in basking mode or how long until you kind of crank it back up and want to get back into into work because you know a title, uh, a title fight's down the line? Yeah, you know, I love everything about fighting. I love the build-up to the fight. I love the fight that itself, and then I love the post-fight activities and the festivities that we go through after the fight. You know, I love the cardio in the bedroom. I love it all. So I'm always preparing and getting ready for the next fight, and, and uh, you know, I'm ready to go, man. I, I love the sport. I love the, the process. I love the journey. I love everything about it. So, you know, I, I never really get out of training, you know. And as you can see, when I fought Robbie Lawler, I set a, a world record, a UFC world record for most strikes ever thrown in a fight. And I didn't get touched. That was a flawless performance. I didn't even have a scratch on my face. So, you know, I was back to training the next day when I got back to South Florida. So, you know, I'm ready for to unify this title November 2nd in Madison Square Garden. What, is it, uh, what does it mean to you, Kobe? Because you talked a lot in that lead-up about Robbie leaving and, and that whole breakup, but you were, this is where you started. Uh, you, you know, Dan Lebert still represents you, so what does it mean that you've gotten to these heights um, for this gym, which is, I'm sure it's changed over the years because it's just even more high-profile year after year after year with more stars coming here and wanting to get better at their craft. But um, for a guy like you who kind of came here raw and now to see where you're at, what does it mean to you for as far as representing this place? It's evolved with you. You've evolved with it. That's right. As I've, you've come up, it's come up. Like it's you guys have been intertwined with one another. So as you get bigger, it just coincidentally it gets bigger. Not saying true. there's a direct connection there or anything, but yeah. And, and coming straight out of college, you know, it, I was raw. I didn't know any MMA skills, and Dan Lambert brought me into American Top Team, and this is ten years ago. I didn't know how to punch. I didn't know how to submit people, and and to grow up here and, and evolve together with some of the people here. It's, it's been such an amazing journey, an amazing transition. And, I wouldn't be possible without Dan Lambert. I wouldn't be here today without him. You know, he's he's the greatest person and influence in my life right now, and, and I can't thank him enough. And, uh, you know, we're reaching new heights, and it's amazing to do such great things. I know how bad he wanted that win because Robbie Lawler turned his back on this gym, and he left this gym, you know, and he should, there was no reason for him to leave. He left because of a picture. So, you know, it just to, to go out there and, and put a stamp of approval for Dan Lambert was amazing, but this is the number one fight that Dan Lambert wants. He wants me to go take Marty Fake Newsman's head back to ATT. He wants me to send Marty Fake Newsman on a stretcher out of that octagon. So until I send Marty Fake Newsman on a stretcher out of that octagon, I'm not going to be content with my career. Is it still a thing as far as you guys cross town-wise, the fact that he trains, you know, just a couple miles away? That always was a big thing, ATT versus the Black Zillions back in the day. I know that's kind of broken up and he's gone off to his own thing, but is that still a thing where it means a lot to have win that cross-town rivalry? Absolutely. That's that's. Man, this is such a personal beef. So many layers to it that people don't realize. You know, it's just, this rivalry is real, and and not just the rivalry gym to gym, fighter to fighter, ex manager who, who's now deceased today, uh, Glenn Robinson versus Dan Lambert. You know, they hate each other. I mean, th dude, this is so many years in the making, and 
And I know that Dan Lambert wants this fight more than he's ever won to any fight in the history of this gym. So, you know, I got to go out there and put Marty Fake Newsman to sleep, and then they're going to be putting a statue right outside there for me. Kobe, thanks for the time, man. All the best of luck uh, and uh, looking forward to the fight, man. Appreciate it, brother. Have a great day. And again, I appreciate Kobe giving us some time at the gym. Uh, he was very much in demand and, and speaking to a lot of people. So for him to sit down with us, uh, it was very much appreciated. Him and uh, the Queen of Chaos as well. Janice, thank you so much for those guys' time. I can't wait for that fight either, man. Uh, him versus uh, Kamar Usman is, uh, it does have a lot of, he's right about that. I mean, it does have a lot of layers to it. It has a lot of fight. Uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of places it could go that um you know that personal rivalry wasn't quite there with uh Usman versus Masvidal even though I do think Masvidal has his arguments to be in the conversation uh beating beating two you know, people you know the people who argue with Masvidal they're always like oh he's two and two in his last four fights like well he's not getting first of all he's not getting blown out in his two losses they're close losses like let's not get crazy all right second of all um, he beat two top five guys. So, and one of them was in the fastest knockout in UFC history. That's for sure a title resume. But I get it. You know, Colby has been circling the wagon on trying to get the championship fight for a long time. It, he definitely does deserve it with with the performance that he put on against Robbie Lawler. Uh, I just want to see Masvidal in the title picture. And it, it, it is interesting. I, I don't know. You know, everybody says that those two are friends. Um, but I do think it. Not, when you both have similar professional goals and aspirations and there's only one slot to get it it's it's naturally gonna we're dudes it's naturally gonna cause a rift even if you have trained together it's just and they're in and they're in fighting so it's only natural that's gonna cause that kind of uh, that kind of rift if there is a rift i don't know that there's a rift but i don't think that uh this idea that they're friends is uh I don't. It, I don't get the gauge that that's where things are at now. Just kind of reading the room on those two. I don't know. Um, but as far as Colby versus Kamara, Kamara's been putting out some videos this week of him in the gym. So he seems close. I mean, he seems like he is. Uh, he he should be raring to go for November. Combate had a report that UFC 244 MSG. That's going to be those two. Honestly, I know that uh, George has said he doesn't want to fight in New York. Uh, he said that last week. Uh, when we brought you that media session. But if you could do George and Nate on the same card as Colby versus Camaro, that's a monster. Now, the question is, what's the main event? And in all honesty, I feel like a more... The, the fight that draws more eyeballs is George versus Nate. I just think the two of them are the two biggest things going right now. Even if, you know, Camaro and... Ed Colby are, are are the two best in the division. And, you know, I know the UFC doesn't want to do that. We had Lex McMahon from Titan FC in a couple weeks. He goes, nah, you know, they're going to go title fight last. And they've only done not done it once, and that was with Connor. Um, and I don't think they're going to make that bend again if it's not Connor, even though they probably should. I mean, flat out. That, that fight, George versus Nate, one, it should be five rounds, uh, and two, it should be the main event of a pay-per-view. It should be. I don't care. Hey, save me the money. Put it put it at the main event of an ESPN. Whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Uh, I don't know what those guys' contracts is. What what they get as far as the the back end of pay per views. I don't know. You know. Obviously, I want them all to make you the most money possible. But you know, if you can save me money, that's cool. I don't care. But uh, but but from my standpoint, that should be uh, that should be a main event fight. No doubt about it. It, it, it it's a tremendous matchup. But 
We'll find out, man. Uh, thanks again to Colby Covington for joining us. Thank you to Phil DeRue for joining us. And everybody, stay safe, man. Storm's coming. Storm's brewing. So, you know, be safe out there. Be kind to everybody. Um, we got uh, we got some, we got some treacherous treacherous weeks ahead. Uh, treasure, treacherous week ahead, possibly. So, you know, just do what you can to, uh, to help your neighbors and, and help each other. And uh, don't be jerks at the store. I love you all. And we'll talk to you very soon. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.